What's up guys? I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane and it's one of my favorite places in, in all of the Bible, but it's also one of my favorite places here in Jerusalem that I've been able to visit. Back in October, when we were here, there were olives all over these olive trees throughout the entire garden. And, and here's what was crazy is when we were here, Offer, our guide, began to, to tear up and cry. And he said, I want you to pick one of the olives off. Some of us picked olives off. We tried to put our fingernails in them and it was real hard. Some of us bit into them and it felt like it was gonna chip our teeth. And we were like, holy cow, I didn't know olives were that hard. And he said, I want you to understand something that's so symbolic. And over the wall, this is the Eastern wall of Jerusalem behind me. And over the wall, we could see a, a rain cloud coming over it. And you could see that it was raining in Jerusalem just behind us. And he began to tear up and he said, this is the first rain. And when the first rain comes, these olives go from hard and bitter and disgusting to in one week they'll fall off and they're soft and they're ready to eat and they're amazing. And guys, God just did something in my life because Ezekiel chapter 36 says, he will take our heart of stone and remove it and put in a heart of flesh, a heart of, that is softened. And, and, and that is the picture of what Christ has done in me and in so many of you, but today, what we want to show you is how that's possible. And here's what's crazy. Gethsemane literally means the crushing. And it is in this place that Jesus came and prayed and sweat drops of blood with so much stress and agony and said, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Knowing that he would take the crushing. How symbolic is that? That for the olive, he took a crushing so that we could have his favor and we could have life in him. One of my favorite places in the Bible, but the reason I'm so excited is because today we're going to find out how we can take that heart of stone and become a heart of flesh by understanding the favor of God and trusting in him. What is up, everybody? Happy Easter. How's everybody doing? Awesome. What an awesome 9.30 crowd, man. I'm honored that you guys decided to join us on this Easter Sunday morning. And I'm telling you, we're going to have fun today. So this is what I need you to do. Can y'all do something with me? Yeah. When I point this at you, I need you to talk back to me. Can you do something with me? Yeah. All right, so I look at the person closest to you and say, you look nice today. You look nice today. Look at the person that's the next closest to you and say, you don't look quite as nice as they do, all right? Because I chose them before you. And hopefully, listen, hopefully if you're with your husband or wife, you chose them first. Because that's awkward right now, right? It's awkward. Listen, uh, truly we're honored that you're here. I just want to tell you quickly about this, and then it's going to be the whole message. So something surreal happened to me in the garden. And uh, one day I want to take a bunch of you there. But if you can just picture what that's like, it's in what's called the Kidron Valley. And it's in the it's in the base, like, so you see the, the eastern wall of the temple, and it's kind of down in a base. It's kind of down in a valley, and you're just standing down in there, and you're looking at all these beautiful trees, and in the farthest part of the valley where they believe Jesus actually was, the trees are huge, big around, crazy, and you just start considering all of these things, and you're like, my goodness. Jesus sweat drops of blood on my behalf and took on death, and took on all of those things so that my bitter, cold, dark heart could be made alive and made flesh and made, made able to be one with him. And it just did something to me. And today, I really want to share that with you guys because when I was there in October and there again in January, God just did something in my heart. And I'm so honored and excited to be able to share that with you guys today. 
And it is one of my favorite places I've ever visited in my life. But before I do, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you guys ever, and I just need you to kind of, this is where I need you to talk to me. Have you guys ever been in that situation where you try to impress somebody? You know what I mean? Have you ever done that? Show of hands. I've tried to impress somebody by something I've done. Every person that's not raising their hands lying. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Because here's some things that we do to impress people. I just want y'all to stay with me. This represents a resume. Now, how many of y'all have had a job interview? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, job interview. If you haven't had a job interview, this, may need, this message may need to change if you're an adult. You know what I mean? Like, some of y'all need a job, but anyway, right? But have y'all ever noticed on resumes, like, people write down crazy stuff. Like, if one time when you were six, you joined the Boy Scouts, you became an Eagle Scout on your resume, right? You were, you were a 10-year Boy Scout, and you make sure everybody knows it. And, like, if you caught a fish one time, you are a master fisherman on your resume. Are y'all with me? Right? Because I don't know why, but, like, what else can I put? Like, I've been in anguish a couple times that I've had to fill out resumes. And, Leah, we've only had a couple. We've been blessed. But, but every time, like, what else can I put? Like, and, and some of y'all, we, we, you want me to be a reference. And so you'll think of anybody. Who did I meet one time that's awesome, that's famous, and I can put this down as a resume, right? Or just putting this down. Okay, okay, okay. I can't think of anything else. But we struggle, right, because we want to impress the person that's about to hire us. And so we may or may not stress the truth a little bit about our skill set. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Because yeah. I know some of y'all, and some of y'all didn't say yes, and some of y'all should have said yes. Here's another one I wrote, uh, wrote down. I put down. This is for oh, mostly for the ladies. This is, this is the Glade kind, so it's not as good maybe, but y'all want your house to smell good when people walk in, right? And so, and so especially after whatever happens. And so, like, I meant the bathroom. So, like, you'll, you'll, you'll turn this on or plug it in, plug it in, plug it in, nobody. So, like, and, and we want people to think that it smells good. And some of y'all use that poopery stuff. Huh? It smells bad. Y'all know what I mean? Like, it, uh, you can't cover that up. But we want people to think that our, doesn't, y'all almost said it, that it doesn't stink, right? <laughs> We want people to think that it doesn't, but it does, right? I'm just telling y'all, I hadn't met anybody yet. <laughs> and Y'all got that smell, right? And then this is another one. This is, this is one of my favorite brands, Tommy Bahama. And we want people to think that we smell good all the time. So, and then some of y'all need to stop spraying. You know what I'm talking about? Like that woman that sits in front of you in the airport, and you're like... I know you want me to think you smell good. Take a bath and stop spraying it that much, right? I mean, it's crazy. But we really want people to, to believe we smell good. And then so you got state championship rings, and so you got to out-bling each other in class rings, and where's it from? And we want people to be impressed with that. And then I got another one. This I, Leah wouldn't let me use her, her real ring, so these are like pretend rings that are engagement rings. Y'all just have to pretend with me. Because if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Nobody? For real? That was good. But, like, girls, this is for y'all, right? When you get an engagement ring, you really don't care how big it is. You want everybody else to be impressed with how big it is, right? Yeah. Because if they like it, then they should have put a ring on it. I can't believe no one sang with me. My, my feelings are kind of hurt. And then this is one that kind of bothers me. This is actually an autographed baseball, but it's a pretend trophy. Because everybody gets a trophy these days. Y'all remember when we were growing up and you actually had to not stink really bad. I use that word to be politically correct and not offend you. Suck. But like, like, <laughs> how was your mind? I didn't really say that, right? But like, 
Everybody gets trophy. You chew the gum the best. Tommy hears you a trophy, right? So, and then, and then one day when Tommy gets older, he's gonna tell about I was the MVP. This trophy just says chew gum award winner because we want everybody to think. We want everybody to be impressed with how we do things. And then this is the last one. Like, just y'all just stay with me just one second. How many of y'all dudes? How many of y'all are married? Married men in the room? How many of y'all get woken up to the smell of this sometimes? You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, and it, or just the, the sound of the hair dryers. Some of the, I know some of the dudes in here use hair dryers. That's what they make towels for. But cut your hair. But just kidding. Just keep going. But, but like, we spend a lot of time in the mirror. And by we, I mean I, y'all, because I don't spend a lot of time in the mirror. Some of y'all spend a lot of time in the mirror. And it's because we really want to impress people. And so here's what comes to my mind. And this is so dumb. Honestly, I've had the opportunity. I love golf, and I've had the opportunity to play golf with um, some people that are on the PGA Tour right now. If you don't know what golf is or the PGA Tour, that's the professional guys that make a lot of money, all right? I've had, I've had an opportunity to do that, and here's what I figured out. Every time I play with those guys, because my brother-in-law's a pro, and I get to hang out with them, and, and every time I play with some of those guys, I found myself, like, pressing. And so I'm not bad at golf, honestly. I'm, I'm a high single-digit handicapper. I can play pretty good. That doesn't mean anything to half of you, but that means, I'm not, that means I'm not awful, okay? Sometimes I'm okay. Sometimes I'm terrible. But, like, when I'm playing with them, I'm not thinking about doing my best. I'm thinking about impressing them, and that's the only thing I'm, in, I'm thinking about, and it's frustrating. And, like, the last time I played with one of these guys, this is what, like, came to me, and I, it was like a knock on the head. Bro, nothing you can do. Nothing that I can do can impress this dude. Nothing. Like if I would have hit a hole in one, I think dude would have given me fists. So that's awesome. I saw one of those yesterday and last week and the week before and the week before and the week before because I play with and then you start naming the famous people that play golf and that's who he plays practice rounds with. But I just really wanted him to look at me because he's really good at what he does and say, bro, fit knuckles, you're awesome at that. You know what I mean? Like have y'all ever been there before where you want someone that you believe you think a lot of in that field, in that line of work, in whatever they do, and like you do it either for a hobby or for your job, and you just want them to look at you and go, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You're really good. And I was just like, There's, he sees much better than my best every day. Why would I try to do that? And then this came to my mind after I was thinking about it. I promise you, after I was thinking about that, I thought, how is that any different than what I do with God? Only it's much more foolish. Guys, stay with me. God invented quantum physics. I don't even know what that means. Y'all with me? (laughs) Some of y'all know quantum physics. I need y'all to meet me afterwards and at least tell me so I can tell the second service. Because I don't even know what it means, but it sounds like you got to be really smart. God invented all things. Listen, this, this is one of my favorite things. When God said, let there be light, a bunch of people in here believe in the Big Bang. I do too. This is how it happened. God said, let there be light. And out of his mouth, three million miles per second. Nobody, no, nobody thinks that's fast. That's the speed of light. Shot out of his mouth. He said, let there be light. Bam! Three million miles a second. I'm impressed, right? I can't do that. I don't know if y'all believe that or not, but I can't do that, right? <laughs> but this is what I catch myself doing. Y'all stay with me because I bet a bunch of you are like this. I catch myself all the time during prayer time or during time I'm riding down the road that I call prayer time, but it's really when I'm having my talks with myself, you know. When, when I'm doing all these things and I'm really trying to talk to God and 
I'm evaluating where I am in my life, this is what I find myself doing. God, are you not impressed? Are you not impressed with how awesome I am? Are you not impressed with how much I'm trying to live this life for you? Are you not impressed? God, look at me. Look at all that I am. Are you not impressed? (laughs) And I laugh at myself, and I started to name the guys that I've played with before when I do that. And then I think, so the guy that Scripture says can hold the universe in the palm of his hand should be impressed with anything that I've done, and that's not dumber than anything else I could possibly think. And I should say more foolish because it's ignorant in my mind because I'm not even thinking right. Seriously, Mark? Like, seriously, that's, that's, you, you think you, you've done something that can impress God. And I get frustrated, guys, because honestly, this isn't like, so that's my testimony and let's pray. This is like last week. This is like all the time. I believe that if I do enough good, listen, don't miss this, that if I do enough good that maybe God will honor me and be impressed with me and maybe he'll give me his favor, right, the rain that I saw falling. That's the the picture of the favor of God. Maybe God's favor will come because of the good things that I do. Maybe God will think higher of me because I'm really good. And I've missed the point of what good really is, and I've missed the point of how favor comes. And I try to impress, improve my resume with God, and I try to do all these other things with God because I really believe that that's what it's about. And listen, this is the culture that I think it causes. And this is the title of the message today. I believe it creates the idol of me. And I believe a bunch of us in this room, I don't care if today's the first time you've stepped into a church or you've been in church much longer than I've been alive. I believe the church in America today deals with the idol of me more than anything else. I believe the greatest mission field on this planet is right here. Not in this house alone, but in churches all around this city and all around the upstate of South Carolina and all around the world. I believe the church, if it ever gets alive in Jesus Christ where we can declare what we declared this morning and it's honest and it's that we are excited above all else because he's alive in me and that he has overcome the world in death and sin. And I realize that it's not about what this guy's done, but what about, about what he is in me, then it changes everything. But I believe until we begin to understand what grace really is, we haven't received grace, we've received something false. And if we had a piece of wood and we said, I just have faith in that, it would not be a whole lot different. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to look at three verses this morning. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, in our next steps area, we would love to give you one. We want every single person to have a Bible, and we have one there for you. Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, I want you to think back to the video that we started with, guys, because I absolutely was blown away when I saw this after Ophir explained this to us when we were there for the first time, and I was just like, it's like God meant to put that in there. You know what I mean? Have y'all ever had those moments where you're like, God, did you do this on purpose? Because that's really cool, right? Did you let me see this rain? Then they let me hear the story of the olive because it's, it's like you wrote it or something. It's pretty cool. That was good. Y'all can laugh. That was free. All right, Ezekiel chapter 25. That was better than y'all laughed. I'm just telling y'all, okay? Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 25. Listen to this. It's amazing. I will sprinkle clean water. Can y'all picture the rain while I'm reading this? Coming over that, coming over that hill, heading over toward Mount Moriah on the eastern wall, and I'm seeing it come, and you can actually see the rain in the sky, and I'm picturing that these hard olives are going to receive the rain for the very first time. So I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. 
You shall be clean, not because you bathed and it was awesome and you found that pool, but because he sprinkled that clean water on you and from all your, y'all say this word? Say it like you mean it. What's this word? From all your idols, I will cleanse you. That the rain will come, that I will give you the sprinkle, I will give you the rain, that it will come over that mountain. Listen, this is something you need to know about the rain. It's something you need to know. I said it in the video, but I want to reemphasize this. It only rains for five months of the year, sometimes as much as six. But how many of y'all like the snow? Show of hands. You like the snow. Every one of you, I'm praying for you because there's something wrong because snow is a gift from God, and it's awesome, okay? You can play football games, and you tackle each other. It doesn't hurt. Leah tackles me. Nobody? Okay. That was good. Like, but the fun stuff is like you can do all kinds of stuff, and if you have kids, it's amazing. And y'all remember when you were a kid, though, and you didn't have to go to school and how excited you got? Listen, if you were a little kid growing up that you didn't want it to snow, I'm saying this with love, but I didn't like you. You know what I mean? Because I wanted it to snow because I wanted to miss school. And I loved all my teachers, best teachers ever. I just didn't really like school. That's free. And so, and, but we were so excited. Don't you remember when you woke up and you ran outside and you looked to see if it was white? Woo! We got a snow day! I still do that today. Just don't tell anybody. You know what I mean? That's awesome. But that's how they are in Israel with the rain. I'm telling you. Like, we saw grown people we'd never met before. They're not even Christians. They're not emotional over the joy of Jesus. They're emotional because the rain came. And you actually, we, we could actually see the little kids running out in the Kidron where they lived on the side of the mountain, and they would look up, and they were pointing, just like we would when we see the first snowfall. That's the way they are with the rain. Because it's a representation of the grace, of the, of the favor of the Lord on their land. Sometimes there's dry seasons in our lives, guys. This is for the Christians. Sometimes there's dry seasons in our lives, and it's the dew that gets you through, but that's another message that we'll do another day. It's the dew that keeps you going. It's the time that you spend with the Lord every single day, but when the favor comes, when it, when it falls on us, it changes everything, and this is what happens. It's that on that land that becomes so dry, just imagine how dry that land was when we were there, and it, was, it caused the stuff to get so hard and bitter. And things grow in that season, but just a little bit. And then when this comes, it cleanses from all uncleanliness, excuse me, and from our idols. And guys, here's, here's the idols. I know we don't have like these for the most part. Maybe some of you do, but I don't think so. I know we don't put things on our shelves and bow down before them. I don't, I don't really believe most people in here pray to things other than God. But here's what I honestly believe, and I need you to get this because it's so important for this message. The reason that I don't think we need the rain to fall on our lives is I don't think we consider the truth of this. We've believed in God. Listen, don't miss this. We've believed in God. Most people have seen on a football game behind, behind the goalpost, John 3.3 or John 3.16, that whosoever believes in God will not perish, or in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. We're like, I believe in him. I believe in him. I know about him. I believe in him. I believe he was like the one that we're going to talk about all day today, and I believe he probably rose from the dead, and that's pretty cool, and all this stuff. I believe in who he said he was, but that's not what that word means. It's not about believing in. By the way, 
Scripture tells us that Satan, the devil, the enemy, believes in God and trembles. He believes in him. So if all it takes is to believe in the way that we translate it, then Satan and everybody that's ever thought about him is good. Here's the problem, guys. In the church today, we believe that it's like a ticket, a get-out-of-hell-free card that we can just hold up and say, no, 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 I believe in him, I believe in him, I'm good. And the rain has never come on our lives because it's like an idol that we've worshipped. It's just a belief, and it's a false belief. Here's the truth. You have to believe, period, Jesus. You have to believe. That word literally means believe, to trust, to place all of me in him. He is my authority. He is over me. And God, I am yours and you are mine. And now I will walk in your freedom, not in my freedom. It is not my way that I follow. It's his way. I don't get to do whatever the heck I want to do the rest of my life and live like Hades and, and make everybody think, oh, that dude's cool, but he's gotten saved one time. He said a prayer. It was really good. He believes in God. That's not the favor of the Lord Jesus on our life. That's not grace. Grace is God looking down on a people that were hurting and dying and death and saying, they don't deserve this, but I'm going to show them my great love through the person of Jesus Christ by, him, by offering him as a sacrifice for all that death and all that sin and all that anguish and all that grotesque that we are. And that's his reign coming down on us and cleansing us from uncleanliness. But here's the idol. It's me. The one that I fight with idol worship is not all these other crazy things. It's me. It's me wanting to be the boss of my life in charge, saying, I'm Lord, I'm God, I got this, and you can have part of me, and like you can have Sunday, and, and you can have a little bit, but I'm going to be me. I'm going to give you, and it's all about me. And guys, I'm telling you, it, it, it's created a, a problem in the church that I believe is a false gospel, and I'm not bashing any one church, by the way. I think it's all denominations, and Everybody, because I honestly believe that we've just said, you know what? If you just say this prayer, and you just have this passive belief system, and listen to me, and please don't be offended because it's not intended for that. Let it hit your heart. So many of us go to funerals, and we're like, you know what, Johnny? Johnny got saved when he was six. Now, he never did one thing with it. He never had a life-changing experience. The Lord Jesus never radically changed his life, but I believe he meant that he believed in him one day. Guys, I'm telling you, that person split hell wide open because this is the deal. This is the deal. You cannot receive the grace of the Lord Jesus and ever want to be the same. Did you hear what I said? You cannot experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and ever want to be the same because, listen, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about what you did. It's not about what you've ever done. There's no one. Listen to me. There's not one person in this room that's too bad. But there's dang sure not one person in here that's so good that you don't need it. Every one of us equally are far from God until we receive the grace of the Lord Jesus that falls on our life. Like that beautiful rain where little children go out and they play. That should be us because of the joy of our salvation. But we don't have joy of salvation because we are so hard-hearted. And then we say things like this, and maybe this is just me, but I bet not. I bet this just isn't just me. Why do I feel like this, man? Why do I get so mad at my spouse and lose my mind and start saying things that I wish I never had? And why, do, why does my coworkers not believe that I'm really a Christian based on the way that I act? And why do all these other things happen? person that's never trusted Jesus, never been into a church, stay with me, because this is for you too, 
And I'm really honored that you're here, but for every Christian in the room that would raise their hand and say, this is me, why do we look like this? This is the word right here. We all have sin. We're all going to continue to sin. We're all going to fall short. But I'm telling you, I believe the idol of me is overwhelming this country right now with Christians. And we look just like everyone else. And it's not about what we do, by the way. It's about the radical change, the, the favor, that the grace of the Lord Jesus on our lives. You cannot stay the same, and this must go away. And here's what verse 26 says. And it's amazing. Just remember back to what happens to the olive. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put inside of you, within you, that new spirit. And I will remove the heart of stone, that bitter bitter, angry. Pastor Mark, you have no idea what's happened in my life, man. If you knew the abuse that I was under, if you knew the turmoil that I had been through, you wouldn't ask me to change. I'm not asking you to change. I'm telling you, when you receive the grace of the Lord Jesus, you will change because he removes the bitterness and he removes the hurt. It is not about me or what I think you should do. It's about what actually takes place when a miracle takes place inside of you because then you realize, you know what? This wasn't something that I had to do. This wasn't something that I did. This was something that he has done in me and it's a miracle because he took what was bitter and hard that was inside of me and he put something new in me. He removed my heart of stone and put in from your flesh and gave you and gave me, and today, for many people in this room, is going to give you, what's this say? Say it like you mean it. Heart of flesh. I'm telling you, when we picked up those rocks, this is weird, so just stay with me. I did like this, I promise, I'm, I'm not lying. It was basically like this in October, and I was like, what in the moose is that? You know what I mean? Like, that's a freaking olive, and it, olives were everywhere, everywhere on the trees. And then some of you guys like olives, but this guy is more brown now. They're really black over there. But he's not like that. <laughs> he doesn't. This thing's soft, and I can squeeze it. But here's what's cool. In January, when we went back, I picked one of these guys off the tree when we were shooting that shot in the top part of the valley so no one was around in the garden, and I picked it off, and I was like, I want to compare, you know, like I want to see the difference, because I had put it in my mouth, and I was like, that is disgusting, and we couldn't get through it, but it was like, I can't even describe how bitter it was, it was so disgusting, everybody, all my boys spit, my pastor friends that were there, then when we were there this last time, <laughs> more on me, I grab it, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's really soft, and I squeezed it, and y'all remember like when you got grapes when you were a kid, and you like, you, you borrowed the grape, like, from someone else's field, right? And you squeezed them. Or if y'all ever picked blackberries, if you were a country kid and you went out and picked blackberries, some people that are here today picked them with me. Amen. We'd sell them for a dollar a pint, but we were entrepreneurs. But we would squeeze them, and we'd have that red juice all over us. And it'd be so funny. We'd squeeze them, and after we'd pick enough, and we'd throw them at each other, and we'd be covered in it, and it was all over us. And I squeezed it, and God is my witness. Red was all over my finger. My finger was actually stained for a minute. I was like, I'm going to have to get that nasty stuff and clean my finger and all that. And this is what I thought. So beautiful. Just a couple months ago, that thing was hard. So hard I couldn't even, I'm telling you, the same olives, the same color, the same thing was so soft I could squeeze it and red juice flowed out. And I thought to myself, the only thing that changed is the favor came. It's amazing. 
The only difference was that the rain came into Jerusalem and came over in the city, and what was so bitter and hard became sweet. They say when you pick them straight off, I'm not a huge fan of olives, so I decided not to go with it, but they say when you put them in your mouth and they're fresh right off the tree, that they're actually sweet in flavor. And so what is bitter and hard and what is your worst day? What is the thing that has kept you from God because you believe you're so bad, that thing will become something that you can tell others about because it's a great victory in your life because it becomes sweet. And you can say to everybody, you know what, it's not what I did, but it's the favor, it's the grace, it's the person of the Lord Jesus in my life that rained down on me and it changed everything. And now what was bitter and hard and cold has become sweet and beautiful and it's my testimony and it's what God has done in me. Guys, I'm telling you, that's me, and it's got nothing to do with what I did. If you stand up and believe that it's about this guy, you've missed everything. Because God reminded me this morning that it's all about him. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about him. And it's about elevating him to where he should be and saying that he's most high and lifted up. But listen, in our lives, if all we do is a couple days a week say that, but then we've missed the point, we've missed the point altogether. He's not part of the equation. Listen to me. Receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus isn't making him a spoke in your tire or part of the equation. He is the first and last is what it says in Revelation. that He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning of the end. He is the equation. He's not part of the equation. He invented the equation. He's all of it. He's everything. And at that point when I say, I believe you, I trust you, Lord Jesus, come in me and reign inside of me. This is what happens. Verse 27. And I love this so much. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Watch this. So you better walk in my, in my statutes means laws, in my rules. Does that, is that what that says? Is that what that says? So you better or else? Nope. It says me, what I put inside of you will change your want-tos. I will do that. It's not about you. I will set you free. I will give you my royal legacy. I will give you everything, and I will cause you to want to do things differently. I will give you that new hope and that new assurance and that new peace and that new thing that you wish you had. And you say, why am I not like this, Pastor? Because you've never received his grace. You've never received a word from him. You've never received hope. And you're like, I don't understand why I keep being the same person all the time. Well, because you worship an idol of you. If there's never been a change inside of you, you've never received that fresh word from the Lord. And be careful to obey my rules. And you're like, Pastor, isn't the most important thing there following the rules? No, sir. No, ma'am. No, 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 no. The most important thing there is the favor of God on your life. The most important thing there is to not forget why? Because, guys, I'm telling you, I believe there's so many people in here. I'm t Literally, at least two times a month and almost every week, someone says to me, you know what, Pastor, at the end of my life, here's what I really believe. I'm going to look at God someday and I'm going to say, I tried really hard. I think I was good enough. I think my good outweighed my bad. I'm telling you, some of you that have grown up in church or you've been in church your whole life, you're just like, that's hard to believe. No, that's everywhere but inside of a church. Your good is never good enough because it's not really good. My good is never good enough because it's really not good at all. Scripture says that my good is filthy rags in the eyes of God. Filthy rags. It's not a pretty picture when you really understand that that means a used menstrual cloth in a literal translation. 
And that when God looks at my, my good things, and I say, God, check this out. Look what I'm doing, bro. Until I'm his son, until I believed him and not believed in him only. And said, Lord, I need you to save me because I realize all the things that I've done. And you took on death and hell. Until I do that, he looks down at me and because he is holy and perfect. He sees my good and he sees that. It's just filth. And did you know, if you ever read Leviticus, some people are bored by it. And I understand because you have to kind of learn what it is. But in Levitical law, that if a woman was having her menstrual period, she could not be in until in the in the temple until she was cleansed for a number of days. She was not allowed to walk in there. Well, that's us. That's who we are. That's who the fallen are. That's who the people that don't know Jesus. That's who we are, guys. Every one of us, we're not allowed in until he, remember, remember the first verse, sprinkles us and cleanses us, and that's the cleansing that takes place. It's a ceremonial cleansing like they used to do before they entered the temple, and you had to wash your hands. You get to enter the Holy of Holies every single day by being in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And the only way that happens is not if we clean ourselves up, but we allow his grace and his mercy every day to be new in our lives. And one time we look at God and say, you know what, I'm not the boss. This isn't about me. And I trust you and you alone. And this is how it takes place. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. This is how it takes place in Isaiah chapter 53. This is how he accomplished all of this, that God looked down on a sinful people And he said, you know what? They have no hope. They have no chance in this world that when I look at them, all I see is bitter and hard and cold. I don't want you to miss the whole point of the rain. It says he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement. The chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, by his wounds, we're healed. This is what I think so beautiful about this story. A couple months ago, we did a series about the valley of death. And in it, we said, anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And this is what it really means, the anointing. People say that sometimes, and we get freaked out and say, what does the anointing mean? I'm freaked out by that. Well, it's the rain. It's the rain in your life when you feel like there's no hope. It's the rain in your life when you feel like giving up. It's the rain of God's grace in your life when you feel like I'm the worst person in the world and there's no way God can use me. And here's what the oil used to accomplish. Because Psalm 100 said we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We're compared to sheep over and over and over again. And this is what the shepherd would do to the sheep. He would reach down in that, in that oil and it was made up of a couple things and he would pour it down over the sheep's head and all the way over them. And during the course of days, when they were walking through the difficult terrain, they would get cuts on their body. And it would act as a healing mechanism. It's incredible what the the ointment would do. Because he poured it over them. And with his wounds, we are... (laughs) And here's the other thing that, that it did. It didn't just heal. It also acted as a repellent from the bugs and from the enemies that had such good senses of smell. A lot of the predators that were chasing the sheep had great sense of smell, and it gave a pungent odor that they weren't really interested in. Y'all have smelled that before, and we're like, no, I don't want that. Whatever that was, I'm not into it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what it gave off, and then it was like a mosquito repellent. It was crazy. 
And some of you need some mosquito repellent in your life today, don't you? Because you got some really hard things going on and you're like, the enemy's attacking me like crazy. I don't know what to do. Have you asked God for the rain? Have you asked God to heal you? Probably not because we think that we can heal ourselves, but I'm telling you, we're incapable. We spend so much money on shrinks and pills and everything else, and the one that really can heal is the Lord Jesus. It's his miracles in our lives that can really heal us. And I'm not downplaying either one of those two things. I'm just saying that that's not the greatest healer on this planet. The one that made this planet that is above every name is the greatest healer on this planet. And the way that he accomplishes that and accomplished all things is by this. You see, in that garden, in that garden, Jesus was under so much stress that he had drops of blood coming off his brow. He was beaten 39 times after they arrested him in the garden that night on Thursday night. They took him up to Caiaphas's house and put him away there and did three trials that were just getting around the law, skirting around the law. His back was so beaten, the Bible says that it looked like ribbon, that it fell down. And I believe this picture, I believe they did a good job, but I'm not sure that it's really doing it justice. He was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that he went through was for our shalom, our completeness, our wholeness, our peace. True peace and not just peace. And by his wounds, we're healed. And all of this took place and then a horrible journey through a mountainous region that's called Jerusalem. Not a straight line, but a windy road that was uphill and downhill and back up to a place called Calvary where they put nails through his wrists and through his ankles and they hung him and he suffocated and suffered all so that the rain of the Lord Jesus could fall on you. Listen to me. I'm not being sarcastic and I'm not being mean, but I don't think, this is just me, I don't think that this guy that took on all of this having never sinned one time Hope that someday you would believe a really cool story about him, but that you would place all of your trust in him and say, I cannot do it on my own. There's no possible way I can do it on my own, but I give you all of me. And no matter what I do the rest of my life, I believe that you will be my Savior and Lord, and above all things, I'm going to trust you. And I know I've screwed up, and I know I'm not good enough, but you know what? That's never been important because you are all you are all things. You are not half of the equation. You are my entire equation. And so even though this equation is jacked up and messed up, you're all of it anyway. And you complete the worst person that's ever lived and the best person that's ever lived. And you're equally great in each one of them. Because why? Why does that happen? Because he took the keys of death and hell. And he ripped them out and he laid in a borrowed tomb for a couple nights and three days and then on the third day and why we celebrate today he is alive and he's risen and it's not a cool story it's not a folk tale he's really alive and this is what romans chapter 4 says and it's why the sermons this sermon series is called raised to life i believe listen to me a bunch of you in this room i'm believing that god is going to do more than we can ask or imagine in this moment and that a bunch of you in this room are going to stand to your feet and say, I will rise. I've said something that's false. I may not have ever truly believed it, but, but this is going to be my story. God gave Jesus this picture to die for me, my sins to honor the Father so that I could be called his son, so that I could be in the royal priesthood, so that he could look at me and say, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. 
I look at you and no matter what you've done in the past, I claim you as my own because you have accepted what the Lord Jesus did. And he raised him to life. Did you hear that? He raised him to life. This is why we celebrate today, because he raised Jesus to life so that we would be made acceptable to God. Pastor Mark, I'm not acceptable to God. I realize I've done things wrong. You never were meant to be acceptable to God. The one person that was acceptable to God took on your death, took on your sins so that you could be made alive in Jesus Christ. And now, guys, I'm just telling you, I don't want you to feel good. I want you to be alive, no matter who you are in this room. And I believe God is drawing many people in this room to, to himself. I believe you can feel that, the Holy Spirit's presence in your heart right now. And I believe you're just saying, Pastor Mark, what do I do? So I look right here. When I was almost 17, two weeks before my 17th birthday, I had known church stuff my whole life, or my whole life. And I had believed in this guy. I knew a lot. I, I knew how to tell you the books of the Bible frontwards and backwards, and I was really good at it, but I had never fully trusted him and said, you know what, I need you to be the authority and the boss of my life. And I realize right now that you're not the entire equation of my life. I surrender and trust you with all of me. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to mess up, but I'm giving you all of me right now. Raise me to life, Lord Jesus. Raise me to life. And it wasn't magic. It was simply me, and I was actually laying on the ground in Huntington, West Virginia. With I made tears. I made a puddle of tears because of what he did in me. Because I realized it was never about me, and I worshiped the idol of me. And that night, I sacrificed the idol of me and said, it's all about you, you're first and last, and everything in me. And I give you my life T today, right now. What I want you to do is pray with me right this minute. And I want you to stand to your feet in just a few seconds and say, that's me. I'm going to be raised to life. Will you bow your head with me? Jesus, much like I did about 18 years ago, I pray right now for the people in this room that they'll be bold and they'll stand to their feet. If there's no one, we honor you. If there's 25, we honor you. It's all about you. And so pray this with me, church. If this is you, God, I give you all of me. I surrender my life to you. You're my equation that completes me. You're not part of me. I want your peace. I need the reign of the Lord Jesus on my life. My heart is hard like that rock, but I want to be soft and sweet. So give me a new heart and a new life. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. But thank you more importantly, even than, than anything else, that you took the keys of death and hell in my life and you raised again to walk in new life. And now I give you myself right now. I'm yours with your heads bowed and eyes closed. This is what I want to ask you to do. And it's bold. I'm telling you, it's bold. It's bold. But guys, I'm telling you, if God is doing this in your life, don't you let anything keep you in your seat right now. This is what I want you to do. Wherever you sit on the count of three, I want you to stand up and say, I will be raised to life. I will be raised to life. I'm going to stand up and declare to this world that I am a Christian, that I am part of not part of the equation anymore. I'm tired of being part of it. I'm all of it because you completed me right now and I give you my heart and life. I stand to life because you've raised me to life. If that's you right now and you did it just now on the count of three, stand up. One, two, three. Stand up wherever you are in this room. Come on, get up. Get up wherever you are. Stand up if that's you. Stand up if that's you. If you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, if you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, I want you to stand up and say, that is me. That is me. Keep standing. Keep standing, if you will. Keep standing and say, that is me. I'm going to be raised to life. I'm going to be raised to life.
I'm going to be raised to life, I believe. You can sit down. Here's what I want you to do. Our volunteers just brought you guys a clipboard. And what I want you guys to do is I want you to fill that clipboard out. But more importantly, I want you to walk back after our, our song that we sing to the Lord Jesus in just a second. And I want you to go to our prayer wall. If you walk out either exit, you'll see a gray wall with names on it. And we, we have volunteers waiting in the back for you. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible for you. We want to walk you through your next steps in the Lord Jesus. And we want to explain to you what it means to be raised to life more clearly and how you should begin to walk in that new life. Every person, listen, if you didn't raise your hand or stand up or make a move, that's not what salvation is. You go back there right now as well. We have volunteers for you as well. If you want to be alive in Jesus Christ, you go back there right now. Everybody in the room, look at me. Can we celebrate together that six people just stood to their feet and said yes to Jesus? Can we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive in us? Hey, listen, we're going to sing a song that I absolutely love, and I want you to sing it with us right now. It's called Holy Wedding Day. And listen, if you are alive in Jesus Christ, this is your testimony. Because church, that's every person that knows Jesus. Church. We're the bride of Jesus, and he looks at us like you looked at your wife, husbands, on your wedding day. So let's glorify and honor the Father because he is amazing and because he gave us the reign.